The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back in to the Cover 3 College Football Podcast on CBS. We are joined by a lot of good folks from our sister company, 24-7 Sports. And today on our Around the Clock series where we take those experts from 24-7, it's Michael Swain. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, bud. Really have enjoyed these so far, and hopefully we'll have a good one today. I'm pumped. We talk a lot of Iowa State. They're, they're one of the most intriguing teams in the country. That's why we have you on. You know, long time covering Cyclone, excuse me, Iowa State sports for Cyclone Alert. You can follow him on Twitter at mswain247, I believe it is. Yep, yep, yep you got it. There you go. Uh, so, you know, as you know, you've, you've heard the episodes. For listeners out there who have not heard the episodes, we put 15 minutes on the clock. This is just intended to be a cool series where – you know, if you're a college ball fan, maybe maybe you don't even hear this until until July, and you want to just rip through these, do a couple previews a day, pull up that Spotify playlist, get through them, and uh, we're, we're really looking to target folks who, who want to know about college football on the national scale. So I'll, I'll go ahead and throw 15 minutes on, and we'll we'll get 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 the scoop on Iowa State here. All right, so first looks like uh, the over under win total in Vegas is about. Tennis, I guess, for, for all the games, about seven for uh, including the non-conference games. Does that feel right to you? I think it does. If you look at the Iowa State schedule, I think you can really circle two games as maybe the, the big warnings. It's week two against Iowa. You've got the Cyhawk game. You know, Matt Campbell has not had a great experience against Iowa so far, and Iowa State's going to look to notch a win there for, for the first time in a few years. And then you look at, of course, going to Oklahoma and going to Norman in late October or November, maybe. Um, and I think those are probably the two games that you look on paper, you say those are the games that Iowa State could lose. Now, you know, you don't have to travel to Austin. You get to host Texas. You get to host Oklahoma State. You know, your overall road schedule isn't the most tough in, in the Big 12. They've got a real nice start to the season once you have that Iowa game. So I think it is spot on. I think it's just going to be a question of, you know, can Iowa State consistently week to week be able to show up and really kind of meet some of those expectations that have been set? If, if they're going to meet those expectations, which are increasingly lofty every year, it, it seems, with the job that Matt Campbell has done with this Iowa State program, what what has to happen in your mind? 
I think there's a few things. I think you've got to see the best version of Brock Purdy um, that we've seen so far. I think he's really the key for Iowa State, especially in terms of you want to think of Iowa State's offense, right? You think about Brees Hall, someone that's a Heisman contender, but Brock Purdy this time last year was getting some first round mock draft looks um, and that kind of faded when he had a rough start to the season, but he had a real nice finish to the season leading into the big 12 title game where he like completed, I want to say like over 70% of his passes for 10 yards in attempt with 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. He was lights out. And so if he can be like that for the whole entire season can be consistent week in and week out and really kind of cut down on some of the turnovers that he's had, because at times, you know, when Brock's at his best, he's making a lot of big plays, making, you know, off script throws, but sometimes those come back to bite him. He'll try and make a throw that maybe he should just throw it away. So I think with more experience, maybe he'll be able to kind of weed those out of his game. But I think for Iowa State, it's all about Brock Purdy, what he's able to do. And then also the deep passing game. I know this is something you guys have talked about, at least on cover three in the past, but Iowa State really struggled with that last season. You know, they didn't have a really big deep threat Tariq Milton, their one guy that was kind of the deep threat. He had 20 yards a catch as a sophomore, and he was hurt for most of last season. So I think if you're looking at Iowa State, you know the defense is going to be solid with John Haycock. It's going to be really about Brock Purdy and the passing game that's going to kind of determine Iowa State's ceiling. So you brought, you brought it up. I know it's something I've touched on. To me, I agree with you. If, if Iowa State's going to take the next step, they've got to find a way to hit more home runs through the air. I mean, and I, I get into it sometimes with the Twitter guys – from Iowa State, they, they say, hey, like this offense isn't trying to hit home runs. I'm like, look, I, I disagree. I guarantee if you, if you give Matt Campbell the truth serum, yes, he wants to play with intentionality as far as pace and they want to be physical and run the ball and they want to utilize the tight ends. No coach in America hates explosive plays. It, in, in your mind, is it, is it just the health of the outside receivers or the growth? Is it more play action? How do they get the ball down the field with success through the air? I think it's a mixture of both. I think a big thing is going to be having Tariq Milton back and just having that threat of that happening. Because I think you saw a lot last season where you've got guys like Xavier Hutchinson and Sean Shaw who are really good maybe in that 10, you know, line of scrimmage to 10 yards, line of scrimmage to 20 yards. But once you get kind of past that 20-yard mark, they're not necessarily the most dynamic playmakers down the field. Yes, you can throw the ball up to someone like Sean Shaw who's six foot six, but he's not going to go burn you deep down the field. So that's where I think Tariq Milton comes in because – if he's able to break the top off of defense, I think then all of a sudden, you know, you're at, you're getting more room for Brees Hall to run. But I think Iowa State, they do take a very pragmatic approach to offense. They are not looking to consistently go hit home runs every play. But you can look at the deep shots that they did take last year. They didn't connect on a bunch. Um, it's not like they weren't taking deep shots. They just weren't able to – Brock Purdy wasn't able to find them. You know, balls got tipped. You know, things happened. But – it's not like Iowa State was just like, no, we're just not going to throw deep. No, they were. It's just that it wasn't maybe really something where they're pressuring themselves to do it or really trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole, especially when you have someone like Brees Hall. You've got a really good tight end room. Um, they've got Charlie Kohler back again, uh, Chase Allen. So I think in general, it's about Iowa State's identity. And I think you will see them try and push the ball down the field more this season, especially with Trick Milton back healthy. And then also Daniel Jackson is someone that was a, a really highly rated recruit out of high school. Um, had some big plans. Iowa State had big plans for him last year before an injury kind of ended this season. So with those two back, I think you will see Iowa State probably take some more deep shots this fall. I had in my notes last year that Charlie Kohler had some kind of offseason injury in, in last offseason, yet he still had a really pretty nice year. I mean, 69 catches, nice for, for a tight end, or excuse me, 44 catches on 69 targets, 591 yards, seven touchdowns. It, but he's back. Is there another level he can get to? 100%. Yeah, totally. That's been kind of the, the buzz this season, or this offseason, I should say, is we've gotten to talk to 
the tight ends coach, Taylor Mauser. Um, and he kind of made a joke that he's embarrassed to stand next to Charlie Fuller now with the amount of like new muscles he has popping up because of the strength and conditioning coach, Dave Andrews. You know, he had the sports hernia surgery last offseason, missed the game against Louisiana, that season opening kind of debacle loss. But then well, it wasn't really himself until week three against Oklahoma. And then he really hit the ground running and was a, a really big piece for Iowa State. So I think for him, it's going to be a question of, you know, can he kind of build on what he looked like at the end of last season with maybe a reshaped body, uh, more fluid of an athlete in general? I, I think he's got a, a really high ceiling and someone that, you know, you think about the best tight ends in college football, you know, of course, Kyle Pitts was probably that last year. But going into this season, I think you'd be hard for us to find someone that's better than Charlie Kohler. I think I'd have to agree with that. I'd, offensive line is, is all back? Yep, everyone's back. Um, the big kind of question mark is going to be right tackle. Um, Sean Foster is going to take over at left tackle. He was there last season. But you've got Jake Remsburg and Joey Ramos are kind of the two guys. Both of them started multiple games last year because each one of them had different injuries at different point of the season. So that's going to be the big key. And that spot last year, uh, it seemed like at times they used some of those tight ends to chip on that right side of the offensive line. And against Oklahoma, it seemed like, you know, they were really able to get some pressure off that right side. Now, Remsburg went down with an injury against Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game on that first drive of the game. Um, he's back now this summer. He'll be full go for summer workouts. But in terms of the offensive line, you've got some real experience coming back. Trevor Downing missed all of last season with an injury. He'll probably start at left guard. But then you've got guys like Derek Schweiger who could probably play anywhere along the offensive line outside of center. And then, of course, Colin Newell is probably one of the best centers in college football. So right tackle will definitely be kind of the question mark, if you will. But it's a really, really experienced bunch. Sounds like this offense really could take the next step there. Uh, pivoting a little bit, if you would, to the defensive side of the ball. Jaquan Bailey last year, very productive, seven sacks, 29 pressures. I mean, 14 incompletions or interceptions credited to him off those pressures, almost a 10% pressure rate. He's gone, right? So what, what what do they do to replace that? Like, that's that's meaningful. Yeah, they take the guy that led the FBS in sacks last year in Will McDonald. Um, he's someone that, you know, 10 and a half sacks for a season. I think I had him at 43% of the snaps or 40-something percent of the snaps he played. So he's someone that's going to have to step into a bigger role. Now, the kind of the word this offseason has been that he's trying to get up from a 230-pound guy to a 240, 250-pound guy. Now, he has a fast metabolism. You know, he's one of those guys that's going to have to work real hard to do that. But if he is able to get up to that weight, I think he is a dominant force and I made the argument earlier that uh, I think that he's probably someone that could be one of the high end NFL guys on this team. You know, of course, Brees Hall's look getting NFL first round looks. But I think if Will McDonald is able to build on what he did last season while being 245, 250 pounds, while being six foot four, long arms, explosive, he's someone that I think could really kind of climb up the draft boards this season. So moving to the secondary. At and looking at some Iowa State's numbers, obviously they play in the Big 12, so you're going to face a lot of explosive passing offenses, even if in the league last year the quarterback play was a little bit down maybe to compared to where it was in prior seasons. And Iowa State's done such a good job with, with, with their unique front and the way they play that defense there um, that helped, like half the league seems to be trying to copy it now. You know, and, and around the country, I know a lot of staffs go and visit Iowa State to pick their brain. Uh, but one guy who was pretty key for them was, was Lawrence White. More snaps and coverage than basically anybody else on the team. It, it, he's gone as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So he he moved on to do professional football, um, and they've got a graduate transfer coming in from Villanova, Jaquan Amos, who is going to most likely kind of fill that spot. Amos filled a kind of a, a nickel 
position at Villanova, but Iowa State is going to have him come in and play free safety. Someone with really good ball skills, very similar to Lawrence White in terms of uh, not necessarily a big bulky guy, but more lean frame, you know, can move around real well. And Lawrence White was a, a real big veteran presence on defense for Iowa State last year. So I think you're looking at that secondary now, especially that safety position with those three safeties. Obviously, you've got Greg Eisworth back, who's going to be looking to be a four-time All-Big 12 selection. You've got Aishim Young, who has really high-end potential, was one of the best freshmen in the Big 12 last year. But then you look at the free safety spot, and that's really the big question mark heading into this season is going to be how can Jaquan Amos kind of fit into that? Is he going to be able to adapt to the scheme that John Haycock wants to do? Because Iowa State's scheme is um, pretty complicated in terms of what they try and do on the back end. So will he be able to kind of keep things tight and really kind of keep things in front of them? Because that's what they try and do on defense is keep everything in front of them, keep everything in the middle of the field, keep people away from the sidelines. So that's going to be a real big question mark and something if we're thinking about maybe the first few weeks of the season, if a casual fan's watching, I would just see if other teams are getting big plays. Because if Iowa State can limit the big plays, they're really good at stopping teams inside the twenty. Yeah, their, their red zone defense has consistently been, been really, really good since Matt Campbell got there. Uh, little questions about the running back position to, to bounce back to offense, if you would. So they had a fourth round or fifth round draft pick, I think I, I saw when I was looking, breaking down his depth chart, who only had 61 rushes and four catches? Yeah, Kenny Nwongu. Yeah, Kenny Nwongu. Um, he's got some elite speed, and that's what he showcased, I think, last year. He had some injuries during his Iowa State career. I believe he tore his Achilles um, early on in his career, but he came back and had a really a strong senior season. But for him, I think he ran like a sub 4 440 at his pro day. So he's someone with elite speed. And now you're really looking at a, a former four-star recruit, Jirel Brock, probably having to okay. step in to that spot because Iowa State doesn't have many four-star recruits on the roster. But it's interesting that they're two Two of, I believe, four or five four-stars on the roster are at the running back position. You've got Brees Hall and now Jirel Brock, who's going to step into that role. So, And Jirel Brock is someone that had a slow start probably to his Iowa State career, redshirted, um, didn't play a ton early last year, but really worked his way into, I think, Matt Campbell and the staff's plans late on in the season. And it sounds like he's had a, a really good offseason. So he'll be one to watch, I think, too, there at that running back spot. The other question I have for you here on the running back room, Brees Hall came back to school. And I think that surprised you know a lot of people maybe who who aren't at Iowa State and, and cover it on a daily basis. Wh- why is he back, and what 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 can he improve on to to better his draft stock? Because a lot of folks think he's probably the best running back in the country. Yeah, and I think he had to come back too because last year was only actually a sophomore season. Which oh, is shoot, I botched that. Apologies. <laughs> no, oh man, good. all good. Yeah. Oh, so shoot. okay, I just feel like he's been around forever. That, that's yeah. exactly, and that's wow. the thing wild part too is he barely played in his first few weeks as a freshman then came on strong in that freshman season um that would have been 2019 and then uh, just last season was just one of the most consistent players i think you, you would see in college football 100 yards a game a one rushing touchdown the most since ladanian tomlinson to start a season that he did that so he's someone that i think if you're looking at his own kind of draft stock i think the big thing is going to be the overall speed because there's no question about his elusiveness and no question about his ability to stay on his feet and be balanced and be a forceful runner in his vision. But I think that top end speed is going to be the big thing. And talking with the strength coach, Dave Andrews, this offseason, he said that he thinks Brees is going to have more more get up to him, more motor. So it'd be really interesting to see maybe what he looks like in the open field, kind of going against more defensive backs this fall. I'm, I'm really anxious to see. He's, he's one of the truly like special guys, like the appointment viewing type guys in college football. Um, couple more for you here, if, if you don't mind. 
Oklahoma is the betting favorite for the conference. I know on cover three, I got a little, little pushback for, for saying this, and I very well could be wrong. I said, there's a chance we look back, you know, and, and, and think that, hey, 2020 was maybe the best chance for Iowa State to, to win the Big 12. Yeah. Is that, is that off? I can understand your reasoning for sure. You look at everything that happened last year. Oklahoma has kind of a down year. You think about someone like Ronnie Perkins misses most of the season that comes back and really comes on strong. I think that that Oklahoma team had a lot of holes to it. And I think if you are looking at last year's Big 12 title game, Iowa State came really close. You know, it's a final interception on that final drive that really did Iowa State in. Because I think I remember being at the press box of that game and thinking, oh, my gosh, like I have to rewrite this story now because they're they might do it. And sure enough, the interception happened. But I don't think you're wrong. And I think you can look at maybe someone like Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Maybe they come and have a, a surprisingly strong season, you know. But And it's so hard and unpredictable with football. You don't know about injuries. You don't know how things are going to happen and how people are going to adapt to different situations. But I do think that this Iowa State team is one of those that the floor of them, I think, is going to be high. Just because you look at the defense, you look at the run game. They're going to be able to win games. I think it's just a question of when they go up against the big guy like Oklahoma, are they going to be able to win that one-off game in Dallas? Yeah, exactly right. Um, So if they're going to win the Big 12, is there a guy that we have not mentioned yet today who has to, I don't know about come come from out of nowhere, but play well above either how he played last season, if he played last season, or if it's a freshman who they need to step up and, and play big time immediately. Who is that sort of X factor guy for you if we haven't already mentioned him? Yeah, outside of Brock Purdy, I would go with Aishim Young because you look at Aishim Young's season last year. He was the co-Big 12 freshman of the year, but the games that Iowa State lost were the games that Aishim Young did not play the entire game. He missed the first half against their loss against Oklahoma State. He missed the entire Big 12 title game against Oklahoma. And so we played against Louisiana in that game, but that game was such a a, a one-off kind of a result. But Aishim Young, I think, is the big key for the defense because in the run game, he's very physical. He looks like a exploded out of a rocket sometimes with the way that he tackles guys. And in terms of his pass coverage, too, that's something that he was pretty good at last year, but he plays that middle safety spot for Iowa State. So his overall importance is, is real vital, and he's someone that on the back end can help sure things up. And, I mean, you're looking at him at the line of scrimmage, just a big-time tackler, someone that I think really is a, almost a security blanket for Iowa State with his ability to kind of just make plays all over the field. I, I know what we kind of pontificate on, you know, nationally, but the reason why we have you all on is to get this, you know, the, the, the in-depth local perspective. Nationally, the narrative is a little bit, hey, like this is the year Iowa State really has to do it. You know, Matt Campbell's at the top of these, like next great coach at X school, you know, type mm-hmm. list, the, the hot boards and all that stuff. Is, is that view shared locally or do they think like there's, there's a real chance Matt Campbell's going to stay around for a while? I think it's that. I do think there's belief that Matt Campbell is in this for the long haul at Iowa State. I know that every offseason it now seems like Matt Campbell is kind of the first name you're going to throw into a who should be the next coach at X big school or X big NFL team. And I think that the vibe that I've gotten from him, just in terms of what you've heard him say in press conferences and just the actions that he's had is that he's in this for the long haul. And I mean, if anything showed you something, it's that you can build a big 12 title contender at Iowa State. And if you are building a big 12 title contender, you know, once every four, five years, maybe you have a year like this 2021 season where maybe 
you have the opportunity to compete for a college football playoff spot. But I think the view is Iowa State fans want to enjoy this ride. They don't want to get caught up in the, this is Matt Campbell's last ride, or this is the only opportunity Iowa State has. I think they're really embracing maybe the journey of what this season could be. And not maybe, and Matt Campbell talks about the process so much. It feels like it's almost rubbed off on the fans to some degree to where it's just, hey, let's enjoy the season. We'll see where we end up. But everything and the indications I've gotten is that Matt Campbell will be here for a long time. With his success there in Iowa State, have you noticed just – I know you do a great job covering recruiting as well. We have all these camps going on. Have you noticed a – not that Iowa State wants to get away from its formula because its formula is obviously incredibly successful and, and they, they do what they do and they do it really well. But have you noticed a – I guess how do you phrase this? A higher caliber of athlete willing to give Iowa State a look following the success they've had? Yeah, so I think there's probably two good examples of this. Um, I think Mario Eugenio, a defensive end out of Florida, really good example. Someone that has really high-end potential, you know, a four-star guy, has over 30 offers. He's really come on strong this spring. But if you look at his Twitter, it's all him in the, in the weight room, in the gym, on the field working. Those are the guys that Iowa State goes after. They're looking for guys that are blue-collar workers, guys that are willing to develop, willing to learn. Um, and aren't necessarily caught up in how many offers they have, or can I get this sweet highlight tape out there? It seems like they're very much focused on trying to get the right people to fit into the culture. Now, it seems like they're now going to try and take a step up in the caliber of person and the caliber of athlete that they're going after, but they're going to try and go after kind of the same personalities, the same sort of building blocks that they've been able to get in terms of just the personality, guys that are willing to fit together and buy into the team is better than me, because that's been kind of the mindset of Iowa State now. So on the recruiting trail, I think that's one. But then you look at someone like Ja'Cory Thomas, for example. He's blown up over the last few weeks and he was considering Iowa State. But now that he's got more kind of big dogs, I know Georgia just offered him. Florida has offered recently too. He's one that now has maybe moved away from Iowa State. So I think you see maybe the, the pros and cons of going after some of those high-level guys for Iowa State where you're putting a lot of capital into these guys. But you got to make sure you find the right fits that are willing to kind of almost buy into the culture at Iowa State. Awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on here on the Around the Clock series on Cover 3. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, definitely. CycloneAlert.com is the website. I'm on Twitter at mswain247. Got all sorts of creative Iowa State content, and we'll be having everything you need over the summer and heading into the season. Awesome. All right, guys. Stay tuned to Cover 3. Check out Cyclone Alert, mswain247 on Twitter. Appreciate it. Perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.